Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third to tell you about the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. It's equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend. The Hyundai Santa Fe features available all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, plus available dual wireless charging pads, ensuring that you can take on any adventure. It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear plus my friends in the third row and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, everyone. Happy Friday and welcome into Attacking Third, bringing you the latest news, analysis and interviews from around the world of women's soccer. Alongside my experts today, Aaron West, Jordan Angeli and Darian Jenkins. I'm Lisa Carlin. Today we have a packed show. We're, we're going to run through the latest news that's happening. Take a look at the Challenge Cup, recap the semifinals and preview the Challenge Cup final. Plus, we have special interviews with Sean Nahas, head coach of North Carolina Courage and Racing Louisville forward Tembi Katlana but first happy Friday everyone it's footy kit Friday. Friday we're wearing our kits today and Aaron I he wins. You win. You win. <laughs> you win. Tell us what you're wearing today. Yeah, this is a South Korean uh, streetwear, soccer streetwear company, Nivel Crack. They've been doing sick kits for the longest. Uh, they're still dropping ones uh, every few months. So this is one of my favorites in my closet, and I figured it was about time. For a special occasion, yeah. I'm on Attacking 30. i got to yeah. bring, bring yeah. out a special kit. Yeah, we're so happy yeah. to have you. Yeah, we're going to need one here. of those. Yeah. All right, we're going to need yeah. a replica of that. Um, I have a Marta jersey love on. that. I just, I, I went with a classic, you Represent. know? Yep, Brazil. I loved this kit at the mm -hmm. World Cup, so um, I thought I needed to get one since this, the last few games we're going to see Marta playing in it. I know. I love it. Yeah. Um, I went with Real Madrid. <laughs> Rocking with Real Madrid. I love Jude. He's on fire right yeah. now. So I was like, I'm going to, this is what I'm going to wear today. <laughs> I like it. I went with the Matildas and shout out to our producer, producer Courtney Stythe, because we're twinning today. We're both wearing the same one. She's got Mary Fowler on the back. I've it's got a, no one. It's very matchy over here. I know. We look swirly. good. Yeah. Swirly. The swirly, swirls, swirly. The swirls are in, uh, they're in. Yeah. There are a lot of things in, um, <laughs> and we've got to jump into the news because yeah. there's been so much happening around the world of women's football. Up first, Julie Ertz, she's back. She retired at the end of August, and she's making a comeback. She has decided that she will be playing in the United States women's national team matches against South Africa. She'll play in the first one. That's coming up on September 21st. A little fake out from Julie Ertz, <laughs> but we get to see the legends back on the pitch. Jordan, how special is this? that she now gets to say goodbye to her, her fans. 
Netherlands. It's really special, and it was really U.S. soccer who said, hey, we want you to have this opportunity. And so Julie Ertz is taking it and run with it, running with it. One of the things that impressed me, five losses total in her 122 caps for the U.S. women's national team. It's, it's pretty good. I think um, we'll, we'll all celebrate Julie one last time, but also we'll remember her like tenacity, mm-hmm. how she slid, tackled like a beast. Uh, not just winning the ball, but like usually taking it and keeping possession. But I think one of the things that sticks out for me right now in Julie Ertz's career is she has really done something coming back within 12 months of having a child to play at the World Cup is a feat that nobody can really imagine. And I love that she is now making the decision to be a mom. Mm -hmm. Like, Like that was her, that's what she wanted next in her life. And there are many people that do both, but for her, this was the right decision. I like mm-hmm. she, that she honored that. I felt like it was really powerful. So, um, go Juilliards. Congratulations. What a career. What a career. What a legacy that she's left. Darian, how did she change the defensive midfield position specifically internationally? That's a great question. She put that position on the map, I think, for this U.S. women's national team. She, her defensive work, but also how she was in the attack. I think typically we see that as more of like a silent position. You almost don't notice them a lot of the times in the game. They do a lot of the dirty work and maintain possession. She did all that plus more. I think I spoke about this on the show when I had to guard her um, in the NWSL on a uh, on a set piece. Oh, good luck. <laughs> I went into the goal with the ball and then got subbed out after. She scored. It was crazy. Um, but, yeah, she's such a force. She's an incredible player. Attack, defense, possession, center back, midfield. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, she's left an incredible legacy, and I love that she gets to honor that with this U.S. Women's National yeah. Team. Yeah, I think it's really special that we thought her career was going to end in a, in a, on a down note, obviously, going out of the World Cup. But now she gets to come home. She gets to be in front of her fans. She gets to receive the praise and the adulation to celebrate a long and mm-hmm. storied career, a deserved into this career. So this is a really, really special. I think she was surprised that she was going to yeah. get the opportunity to come back and, and end it in this way. So that's a special moment for everyone involved, I think. Julie Arts will be saying goodbye to the international game, to the domestic game, and to all of her fans. September 21st, she'll be honored for her 123 caps before the U.S. play South Africa. Moving over to Spain, the latest coming out of the international Spanish side and the federation with Luis Rubiales is that Spanish prosecutor's office have filed a complaint against the suspended Spanish federation president, Luis Rubiales, because of, quote, crimes of sexual assault and coercion against Jenny Hermoso. This comes after Hermoso filed the official complaint uh, earlier this week, which opened the door to this prosecution. Now this filing um, from the past prosecutor's office will now launch an investigation into the Rubiales' actions. There will be more updates to come, and we will fill you in as those as they are released. Staying in Spain, the Spanish national team players will not return to the national team. They are sticking with their original statement they made before. They want structural changes within the federation. Um, A few weeks ago, they came out and said that they wanted more to come from everything that has happened in Spain. There has been a new coach named Monse Tome. However, Tome, she was an assistant under Vilda since 2018. These are not the structural changes that Spain wants to see. They're still wanting more. Is this the right move for the players to do, Darian? Oh, yeah. I think we need to listen to the players. And if this is what they say they need, 
they need to deliver. That is what they deserve after all of this time not being listened to and having to fight for very simple things and giving these people grace to do it behind the scenes and not make it so public. Well, now it's public. We really need to listen to them. And so I think, you know, we spoke about it last show as well, that there needs to be full culture, structural change in this federation. And that's what the players are echoing. Um, and we, we need to follow suit and support them in that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it's not just the, the federation, but it's also the league, the women's league in mm -hmm. Spain. They're not going to play in the first couple of games. It feels like there is a lot of momentum building in Spain, and it's not the momentum that is associated with Rubiales or the federation. It's everybody else saying this has to change. And now all of these players saying, you know, it doesn't matter if we're a part of the national team or not. We're going to stick with them. There's pretty big time. And once it starts hitting the financial pockets, because you know that people are going to go want to watch this team play. There's a lot of people who would pay money to go fill some of these giant stadiums in Spain to watch them. Um, they're not going to have the opportunity to bring that money in as a federation. Yeah. I think that's going to be maybe one of the things they have to look at and say, what are we doing here? Mm -hmm. This is not just not right on a human side, but like on a business side, they've just muddled it all up. And it's a really quick turnaround. The Spanish side has Olympic yeah. qualifiers coming up in two weeks from today. How does this force the FA's hand? Yeah, I, I think it was interesting last time you saw a, a number of players decide to sit out for the national team. You saw some decide that they would go to the World Cup. This time, they're all saying we are mm -hmm. not playing. So it really, really throws a wrench into the, the Federation's plans. If nobody is playing at all, everything has to stop. You really, really have to address the issue at its core. And I think that's one of the big changes for this one. A lot of changes to come, uh, Jordan. As you mentioned, La Liga F also on strike. Their league's supposed to start this week, and they will not be playing in their first two games. It's all over the country of yeah. Spain, internationally and domestic. We'll have more on those updates as they come. But coming up next right here on Attacking Third, we welcome in North Carolina Courage head coach Sean Nahas ahead of the Challenge Cup final. We'll be right back. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. We never changed. We never wavered. We stay true to who we are. Skip pass, looking for Bodie. Bodie gets a touch, and it finds the back of the net. Good things are going to happen because we're trying to do the right thing. Caroline all alone in the area. Takes a shot. She scores. My goodness, Caroline. It's not about proving people wrong. It's about believing in what we do. Hopefully we have people believing now, and if they don't, I'm cool with that. North Carolina finds themselves back in the Challenge Cup final for the second year in a row, and we are pleased to welcome in North Carolina head coach Sean Nahas. Hey, Coach Nahas, thanks for joining us. I appreciate you guys having me on. Congratulations, 1-0 defeat over Kansas City to advance to the Challenge Cup final. Uh, I want to ask about your nerves throughout this game because Brianna Pinto didn't find the back of the net until late stoppage time of this match. What were you thinking for the first 90-plus minutes? Um, 
I mean, to be honest, we, we were starting to look at the PKs set up, um, but we, we we just thought we created so many chances in that game that at some point someone was going to have that moment of magic and the last water break um, in the middle of the half, I, I looked at the group and balled them in the face and said, we have nothing to fear. Just go find a way. And, and Pinto stepped up big time as we expect our players to do. And, you know, we got rewarded. So, yeah, it was a great, great moment. But there was, there was some nerves for sure. Uh, now, Sean, coaches talk a lot about next person up. Brianna Pinto has, has seen some of her playing time kind of go up and down. She hasn't been necessarily a starter, but she pops up with that vitally important goal. Talk about the depth of this team and, and the spirit in this team. Yeah, it's something we've been preaching all year. And, you know, I think all the players, they understand that there's going to be moments where there's going to be lulls in their playing time. And then there's going to be moments, especially during the World Cup, where we're going to need everyone to step up. And that's why we've trained everyone the same way. And we've, we've given them all the same information. And as you can tell from how we've played, we, we haven't really changed our style. We've stuck to it. So, look, Pinto's a very good footballer. And, you know, to bring players like that off the bench, I think, is a massive is a massive boost. And, and um, you know, we're going to continue in, the, in those areas. But... Look, it, it's for us, it's about how do we continue to make sure when players step on the field, they're prepared to be able to play. And, and I think this past Wednesday showed that, that we're doing a good job of that. Sean, since North Carolina's inception, it has been trophy after trophy <laughs> after trophy. But there has been a shift over the last year and a half. You've taken over. And how have you kept North Carolina in that conversation still while also putting your stamp on the game and really resetting the culture of this Courage squad? Yeah, it's a good question, Jordan. I think, you know, I, what we had so much success over the previous years that so many people think we're just going to stick with that way. And our roster setup allowed for us to do those things, you know, very transitional, not direct, but you know, we were so athletic. I mean, so athletic. We had top-notch players in all positions. So when I took over, we, there was obviously a lot of roster change. There was a lot of things going on that we had to fix and correct. And, you know, now we have my, the way, the style that we want to play, I think is it's different, right? It's different than maybe what we've seen in the past, especially here in, in, our, in our club. Um, but I think if you if you believe in what you do and you trust in the process and you and you believe in how you develop players and coach players and you believe in the style and the players buy into it, anything's possible. And I think we haven't really talked about the result. I mean, Darian will tell you this. We don't really we don't talk about the results here. We talk about the performance and we talk about every day getting better. And then in time, that will all pan out. And that's the process that we've had. And the good thing for me and the special thing for me is that people are talking about us in a positive light. Uh, how we play and what we're doing off the field. So that's been an added bonus to this whole thing, to be honest, Jordan. Mm -hmm. Sean, you've had amazing success being a youth club coach and obviously now transitioning to being a pro head coach. How has the experience with your success in youth club helped alter your success as a head coach now for this Courage squad? Yeah, we were just talking about it here at the staff and, and you know, I'd, I think the youth process allowed for me to really hone my craft, right? It allowed for me to be on the field every single day and trying different things and building sort of a philosophy and a style of play and identity within our youth. I mean, our, our youth academy that I used to be in, you know, used to run, we play the same way. So we put the same style in place. So, you know, going into a head coaching role, it's difficult, you know, because you're now making all the, the final decisions at a high, high scope and, you know, I go from being the assistant for five years to now having to make decisions and the relationship piece is a whole lot different. You know, and last year I felt I struggled with that. You know, I, it was a hard adjustment for me and, 
Um, I didn't, and to be honest, I didn't enjoy it as much this year. I'm loving it because I don't know if the players got my full attention in terms of the on-field stuff and the best version of me. And I feel like this year they are. And, um, I think a lot of that because I can, we can implement the style that maybe I've practiced for the last 18, 19 years in the youth game. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been a fun journey for sure. I'm just happy for the players that, that they're having the success that they are. The players look like they're having fun. And, Sean, you've built a roster that makes up a big international squad. Ireland, Japan, U.S., Brazilians. How did those individual styles of those players help influence the way North Carolina plays? Yeah, it's a great question. I think, you know, I was talking with someone about it earlier. Um, in order to, for us, in order to get what we want out of it, we had to identify how we wanted to play. And then once you have that foundation and you put the, that stamp on it, now it's easy to go find players that fit into that, right? It's like, okay, well, I want to build this. Now what parts do I need to build it, right? So I think it's that's what we've done. And, and the, you know, the Japanese players that we brought in have been tremendous. They just jump right in because that's, that's what they're used to overseas. Um, you know, the Spanish players, Sully's fit in perfectly. Her role really hasn't changed much in regards to the six. Pinto has been around me for over a decade. And so she understands what the type of style that we want to play. So it's really important. And then having those areas that we want to expose and having the players that the qualities that they have, like a Caro, you know, if we want to isolate Gavin players with those qualities. So it's those types of things, but it's also having players like KK, Ryan, Malia, Foxy, who can be really good in the build. And we can learn, we can teach them to grow in those areas and, uh, we have a good mix, but we have players that want to get better every single day, and that's been the that's been the best part, and that's why we see this conti this continuous evolution as the seasons wore on. Now, Sean, you talk about talent identification and finding players that can just slot right into the system. That's all. That's easily said and done. But a player yeah. like Narumi Mirua, who comes from from another league and immediately snot, slots in not just like oh a game or two she just slots straight in talk about her talent yeah. and, and how she makes her teammates better as well uh she's she's a gem um i mean we brought when we were on our preseason tour in mexico um that's when she that's when we first met her and spoke zero english you know and now she's having full-blown conversations with us but her personality her understanding of the game her ability to calm things down, her mobility, her decision-making on the ball, the simplicity of which she plays, her technical quality gets us out of trouble. Um, those are the types of things and how we want to play that are so important. You have to have a strong technical foundation here um, in order to play. The direct, the direct ball is on sometimes, but we want to be able to work, work our way out of trouble because if we are able to play out of small spaces, that means we've attracted players to that zone, which means there's another space that's opened up that we can look to expose. So we, we've gone less vertical. And I think I said this to you last time, Aaron, we, we've gone away from the going forward so quickly because the faster we go forward, the faster it comes back. <laughs> so having players like, you know, having players like Rumi that can get on the ball is is so important. Um, and her and, her and Sully's partnership is great. Even her and Pinto's partnership was unbelievable during the Challenge Cup. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, she's, a, she's an absolute gem. I liked how you said in, in the opening to this, you, Sean, you said, we never wavered for who we are. That was after five games of the season, you guys had your the first game was a win, then you had four losses. Now you're competing yeah. for not only top of the league in NWSL, but you're also competing for a Challenge Cup final. Where were moments in this process of becoming who you guys want to become where you were like, all right, I've got this team, they're bought in, and we're going to have to weather the storm a little bit, but you knew that there was light at the end of the tunnel. 
uh, day one. Um, because I, I, you know, I was talking with some of the players and they, you just hear them like normally in, uh, in our team setting, I, I stand back and I just listen to what they're saying. I don't, I don't engage a lot. I just sort of, when they're doing their pre pre-session stuff and I just listen from a distance and you can hear some of them saying, you know, I'm learning something new, you know, w w this or that like little tidbits, but you hear them talking in the game and you hear them coaching each other. And at that moment, you know, okay, we're in. And when that happens, you have to know that there's going to be some ups and downs. It's like building a house. There's going to be a storm that rolls in that might knock that house down. You got to start over or there might be something that delays it. Right. But you don't stop building the house because there's a delay. You continue to believe in the process because that's your dream product. So that's how I look at it. We, we, we never we never once talked about it. I've always said whether we win, lose or draw, we're going to stick to our plan and we're going to start getting better in the postgame run. And the players have been tremendous. The locker room has been tremendous. And when you have things like that and we don't put pressure on them to win, then they want to come every single day and get better. Um, they're having fun because we feel like we've simplified the game for them and they're 20 plus years old and they're hearing some things for the first time in their careers. And that's pretty cool to hear from our side. Sean, not only do the players believe, but you've had the fans be able to believe in this team. You win the semis on the road in Kansas City. Now you bring the Challenge Cup final back home to Wake Med Soccer Park. We've seen you on social media. You're trying to get the fans out there. This is your chance. <laughs> Sell the fans. Why should they come to Wake Med on Saturday to watch this Challenge Cup final on your team? Yeah, look, I, and I appreciate it. I, one of my goals and one of my, one of my things was to get people to believe in the club again. Right, because of everything that we've gone through, and I, I feel like we're doing a good job. But you know, look, we have an opportunity to to to, to play for a championship in our home grounds. Um, we understand that you know there's there's a lot a lot of stuff going on, but there's nothing more than for our players to feel the energy from our fans, and we continue to build something special. There's a wonderful product in in their own backyard. Um, we know the energy that they give us is that extra piece, especially after a quick turnaround. So the more fans that we can have in this really beautiful field and park. Um, the better and, and the more people that we can start to rally around this club, the more we can build something special that we're trying to do. Um, so from a, from a coverage country perspective, we'd love to see everybody out there. We'd love to see everyone, you know, young, old, whatever, just even if you've never been to a game, come. And I, I promise you that you'll come back again um, just because of the way this group works and the way they compete for the jersey and represent this area. So hopefully we'll see a packed park. You know, it's difficult with a quick turnaround, but uh you know, our fans are special and we want to we want them to be a part of what we're doing. Pack okay. the park Saturday, 1230 Challenge Cup final. Thanks so much, Sean. Thank you, Sean. Thanks, guys. And remember, Christine, listen to Christine. <laughs> we'll see if, if Darian chooses you guys this time in the final. <laughs> you yeah, have more player. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, we'll have predictions coming up later in the show about who will win this Challenge Cup final. But coming up next on Attacking Third, we're going to take a look back at the Challenge Cup semifinal, see how North Carolina got their win over Kansas City, and have some tactical breakdowns. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
The Challenge Cup semifinal is underway. Turned over. It's Davis! It's Davis! That's a massive goal there. Racing Louisville FC to their first final. And here's a chance. Oh, and it's nearly there. It's nearly there. What a scramble. What a scramble. And things are hotting up. Pinto is there battling away. And here's Pinto! Brianna Pinto to have sent North Carolina Courage back into the Challenge Cup final. 1-0 score lines for both North Carolina and Racing Louisville to advance out of this Challenge Cup semifinal into the final. For North Carolina Courage, it was Brianna Pinto's late game-winning goal in the stoppage time against Kansas City that advanced North Carolina to their second straight Challenge Cup final. Jordan, what impressed you about this North Carolina side? The things that have impressed me really over the season, their care of the ball, the way that they want to play. It's not always how fast can we get from point A to point B. It's how do we optimize having the ball and utilizing space that we create from the ball. They had 65% possession, 86.5 passing percentage. Denise O'Sullivan only misplayed four passes the Ooh. entire game. These are the things when I'm saying their care for the ball, they they treat it like it's a gift and it has been so fun to watch them play. Yeah, you hear coach Sean Nehas talk about their their process and how much yeah. having the ball is important to them. And then you see the freedom with some of their players play. It's it's an organized freedom. So mm -hmm. it's it's really they're really so dangerous in possession. Yeah. You never really know how whether it's going to be a Caroline or a Miura. Uh, they they can hit you from anywhere. So it's it's a fun team to watch, especially. I'm a North Carolina native, so I, know. Yeah. I, I have my Gotham loyalties, but North Carolina is my team, so it's been a lot of fun to watch what yeah. Sean Nahas has done with this team. And I like how they utilize their outside backs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's sometimes a, a third central midfielder, and I think that is a positive. I think sometimes if they are in a transit, if they give the ball away, they can be a little bit out of sorts, something to look forward to in this final. But the, the way that they play, there's always numbers around the ball. So mm -hmm. if they give the ball away, they can hunt really quickly and regain possession. It's been fun to watch even just this year, the evolution of the courage. The North Carolina Courage does so many things well. Darian, for you, what are things that have stood out about this Courage side over the entirety of the season that they can use going into this Challenge Cup final? I think it's the way that they score goals in such a variety of ways. And their organized, like you said, their organized attack and their organized possession is really effective on, on each of these teams that they play. Sadly, this one's against my old, my old uh, crew, the <laughs> Orlando Pride, but here we have uh, the Courage just being patient, building out of the back, and Lisa, like you said, aggressive outside backs, and watch this play in the middle, watch this triangle, see this connection where they're breaking the field up, they switch play, here we have Kiki Pickett driving forward and watch Britt Radcliffe get on her horse and there's a space between the center back and the outside back where she just dominates, makes her touch into the center of the field, makes the frame of the goal big and slots it home. We've seen that goal many times from mm -hmm. the Courage, but a variety of goal scorers and they're going to take that into the final. Here's another example where it's just scrappy in the middle. They bring it out wide and watch Hopkins dribble this ball forward and she's going to cross it, switch the field where no one's able to really catch up. And she ultimately is the one that gets in the box. Wingate gets end line, beats this defender, cuts it across, and look at how many Orlando defenders are there. Hopkins is able to weave her way through with her movement from midfield where she picked the ball up, 
and finish. So they're in transition, they're in possession, and I love this goal by Brianna Pinto that ultimately sent them to the finals late in the game. It is scrappy, it's gritty, there is life and limb on the line. She's able to pop back up and with her left foot, slot this ball into the net. And it's such a fun goal, yeah. such a variety of ways. I think they're gonna take the cake. Shout out to Coach Sean Nehas. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going with the courage in this game. <laughs> I like that you said Pinto, Wingate, Hopkins as well. And that's one of the things we've seen throughout this Challenge Cup is these players that don't always get all the starting time. They mm -hmm. get opportunities and they've grasped it. It's especially Pinto, massive goal for her to send them to the final. It was a really big game for midfielder Brianna Pinto. She checks on in the 70 minute and she changes the game. So whether she starts, she comes off the bench, she is a game changer for the Courage. And this North Carolina Courage side, they have to go up against racing Louisville. This Louisville side defeating O.L. Reign on a defensive mistake on O.L. Reign's part. Kirsten Davis gets the game-winning goal for racing Louisville to advance the club to their first ever NWSL final. They have an opportunity to lift a cup at the end of it. Aaron, when you watch Louisville, what stands out about their success on the field? For me, it's really their, their midfield strength. Savannah DeMello, obviously, is a player that we talk about. Adi Borges has come in and been really, really good for them. And then you look at the wings. Tim Bikiatlana, Paige Monahan, there's a lot of pace on the wings, especially on Tim Bikiatlana's side. She's so, so tricky. You cannot really just defend her one-on-one. -on -one. You, ne you can't necessarily commit your fullbacks too far up the pitch, or at least you have some, you have to keep an eye on her at some point because she can break with such pace and she is so devastating, both on the counter and just in possession, taking defenders on one-on-one, one-on-two. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> matter. She can run by so many. She's so, so dangerous in so many ways. Yeah. I think something that's a huge advantage for Louisville is their set pieces. Mm. DeMello is a free kick mm. specialist. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she's punished when I played with Orlando. She scored such a banger against us. I was devastated, but at the same time, heavily impressed by her. <laughs> and then Abby Ursig, who gets her head on the end of everything. She's tall. She scored a lot of goals um, in her NWSL career and in this Challenge Cup. So I think that's going to be something that the Courage needs to look out for is those set pieces and free kicks and Abby Ursig hunting the ball down. I think they take a lot of their defensive postures and turn it into good attacks. Mm -hmm. And that's the phase of the game that I feel like this Louisville side has strengthened so much. Can we be good defensively and take that defensive presence into finding a good attack? And it has been a lot about the midfield. And I, I picked some of these clips to look specifically about the midfield. When they get a good structure, and it, it probably won't be from a long ball in this final but if they can get a good structure win the first and second ball here's the second ball won by Ari Borges she spins a couple of defenders but now there's players in front of them and they can go on the run and create one of the things that Louisville has done really well is they pass and move every time a player gets the ball here look they're finding the next space so now it creates this numbers there's four players in a tight space but they're able to get out of it and to create something from it they get a set piece from it which Abby Ursig is so dangerous on but one of the things they have to be better at is end of the game tactics. They do a good job initially in this game against OL Reign of getting pressure on the ball early. So here's Picorni gets pressure on the ball out wide. Now Malay is tracking Megan Rapino. She goes with her and says, okay, you're not gonna have an easy pass here, but you can't lose track of runners. As the ball changes positions to this near side, Holloway doesn't get enough pressure to the ball. It allows this cross, an untracked runner, and this is 
those little moments that are going to make a difference when it comes to a final. You cannot sleep. You cannot take a moment <laughs> off. All of those things have to be perfect. But that being so, the, the structure there for Racing Louisville has been so improved over Bjorka Grant over this year. It's been a full team effort for Racing Louisville. They're the only club in Challenge Cup to get a goal against Racing Louisville, and they do that with a lot of help from their attacking forwards. One of those being Racing Louisville forward Tembi Katlana. She joins us next on Attacking Third to preview the Challenge Cup, talk about her World Cup run with South Africa and her foundation. She's doing so much more off the pitch than most of us realize. Stick with us. We'll be right back with more right here on Attacking Third. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Perhaps an opportunity to break free early for the home team. Katlana looking for her first and gets it. Now has her first goal for Racing Rule. Settled. From Tembi Kotlana. Welcome back into Attacking Third. We all had to do the Tembi Kotlana pose as we welcome in South African International and Racing Louisville forward Tembi Kotlana. Tembi, welcome in. Thank you so much for having me. Congratulations to you and Racing Louisville, not only advancing to your first knockout stage game in the NWSL, getting that win, and now advancing to your first final in the NWSL with the Challenge Cup on Saturday. How much does that speak about this team's resilience, doing all of that in just the club's third year? I mean, it's amazing, honest, to be playing for racing um, and what they've accomplished in three years it's also amazing because a lot of teams have been in existence for many many years and they haven't come to achieve what racing has achieved in such a short time and i think i'm very happy and blessed to be playing for this team and everything that they do for us now timby you play with a wonderful freedom of expression we see it both on the pitch we see it through your hair your style your fashion talk to me about how you express yourself through football yeah, the first thing I always put at the back of my mind is when I step on the pitch, I first think of the people that are there to watch the game. You know, uh, we live in such a very difficult and mean world. So for people to actually purchase tickets and, and come to the game and watch us, that's something that gives me so much joy because, I mean, they can choose to do anything, but they're choosing to come and watch the game. Whether I'm playing home in Louisville or anywhere, I just think first... I, I need to play for these people to enjoy the game, and this is why they're there. And the second is obviously to be a team player uh, for my team and to make sure that I play how I know how to play and to also be able to, you know, exercise all the things that the coaches expect and my teammates expect from me. 
Tembi, I think we all have watched that goal back that you just scored for Race in Louisville a number of times. How many times have you? Because th that last goal where you're just juking a defender at the top of the box and finish it, yeah, it's got to make you smile, <laughs> right? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I think I've been, I mean, coming from a very difficult injury, I tore my Achilles tendon and then I signed with Louisville. So I missed uh, the last of last season and I joined them this season. So I also missed a couple of the games at the start of the season because I was still, you know, on rehabilitation for my Achilles. And then I started playing, I think in May, I got a green light. And for me, it was the best thing that could ever happen because then I got to eventually play for Louisville after uh, signing with them for such a long time. So that's why when I step on the field, I remember, you know, all the difficult days that I couldn't play football. And today I'm here playing and I'll always give my all uh, for Louisville uh, and everything else, especially at home, because the fans, like I said, are coming and they mean so much to me. It feels like you hit the ground running coming back from such a devastating injury. What was the hardest part about getting back on the field? Or did you feel like there was just so much joy to be back and running again? Because I actually think you're faster maybe than you were before. <laughs> uh, no, I, to be honest, it, it was not as bad as people thought it was mentally, emotionally. I think the biggest thing was because I just signed with Louisville, so I got injured three days after I signed with them. And the biggest thing for me was, well, they still want me. And I think when they made a call to say, hey, we still want you, we want you to come play for us, that was like half of the load uh, gone for me because then I knew that I have a club and I have a goal to be fit and to work towards playing for Louisville. So that like took away a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it was almost halfway into the season, they allowed me to stay at home because I couldn't run, I couldn't do anything until I was cleared to do that. So that also took half of the load as well to say, I'm going to be at home with my family and my friends, you know, around a comfortable area. And that actually helped me that when I came to join Louisville, I didn't have so much on my head, but just focusing on finishing off my rehabilitation and playing for the club. Tembi, this is actually your second stint in the NWSL. You spent time in Houston with the Dash. Why did you want to return to the NWSL and why with Louisville? To be honest, it was not at the back of my mind to come back to the NWSL, but I never say no to opportunities, you know, and, and I think the one thing that Louisville said when they came to get me from Atletico was that my stats were really looking good and with the plan that they showed me and my agency of how they want to build a team and my role in, in the team. I think that's what sold the idea of me coming back to the NWSL. And after all, for me personally, I think the NWSL is the best league in the world because of competition and because of, you know, how close the league is in terms of points. And it, it makes it exciting, not, you know, going to a game and thinking I'm going to win all the time. You know, it, it's always challenging. And I think I love throwing myself into challenges to see how I can manage. And I think being with Louisville has been perfect. Well, you threw yourself into a challenge this summer as South Africa really showed the world how they should be watching you guys play. It was, you guys were such a joy to watch. And one of the things that stuck out to me, Tembi, is the day before the last group stage game, you go and you visit a tiger, you're feeding a tiger, and then you score a goal and you get an assist to help your team get out of the group stage into the knockout rounds. Um, what did that tiger say to you? <laughs> <laughs>
The tiger is, is my spirit animal. You know, for many years, I've, I've been meaning to have such a close contact with the tiger because the reason I chose it to be my spirit animal is everyone knows what a lion can do. They know the lion is powerful, but actually no one knows what the tiger is. And when I look at the tiger, I look at myself. A lot of people look at me and they think, oh, she's tiny, she can't do this, she can't do that. And I think that's where my power lies because a lot of people underestimate me before they, they even come close to me. So I, I see myself as a tiger. I, I get that spirit. You never see a tiger going and trying to show that it's a tiger, <laughs> but when it matters the most, I think it it gets up, you know, to challenges, and that's how I've been looking at myself, especially in my career. So on the day of the game, they told me, "Hey, there's a space for you to feed the tigers," and I said, "Okay, no problem. I'm going to feed the tigers." And it was nice because it was a night game, so in the morning, I got a chance um, to go to church, and then I came back, and in the afternoon, I went to feed the tigers. I think just seeing the animal itself and getting such a close contact and just seeing the power that it has actually pushed me in into that game to think of the power that I have and what I can do to help the team. Well, Tembi, that's incredible. You have so Chills. much power. You are the tiger. Um, we're so impressed by you. And not only are you a tiger on the field, you are such a force to be reckoned with off the field. You have the Tembi Katlana Foundation, which empowers women in South Africa through soccer. Can you explain to our viewers a little bit more about your foundation and what you're trying to accomplish? Yeah, my foundation was founded in uh, 2016, and it's because of ever since I've been myself at, at 16, I had to leave home to look for opportunities. So when I founded this foundation, it was mainly because I wanted a lot of girls not to leave home, you know, um, to look for opportunities, but for my foundation and for myself to bring those opportunities to them uh, through sports, which is in South Africa, women's sport is growing now. And it's one of the aspects that we think has the power to change how people think about uh, ladies that play soccer, especially at a very young age, because um, it's starting to grow. So a lot of people don't have like an idea of what it, is unless you are playing for the national team or you're playing outside of South Africa, not a, a lot of people know that actually ladies can play soccer at a very young age. So through my foundation, that's what we are trying to do to bring the opportunities to the girls so that they may be able to see and change the stereotype that we still have in some of our communities that women are not allowed to play soccer or they deserve to be in the kitchen whatsoever. And with because we're an NGO, we do not make any profit. So whatever funds that we get from our sponsors and endorsements, we take it back into the community so that we can change the perspective that when you're a footballer, you a woman footballer, you don't earn anything or there's no opportunities. So that's what my foundation does. Uh, we've worked with a lot of people, bought soccer boots uh, for, for girls, sanitary towels. We've taken books to school. We've actually bought school uniform uh, for a lot of people. We also went to old age homes to give out vegetable packs, especially in the December season. Um, and we also host, uh, with another foundation, we host uh, a Christmas lunch for orphan, orphans in South Africa and we buy them toys so that they can also, you know, enjoy their days in, in Christmas and, yeah. 
Now, Timmy, all of that is incredible. You hold the deserved honor of scoring South Africa's first ever World Cup goal. What has this World Cup done for South Africa? And in the four years leading to the next World Cup, what would you like to see happen in South African football? To be honest, I think the first thing that needs to be done is to professionalize women's sports. Uh, I mean, we went on to the round of 16. We do not have a professional league. And I think the rest of the world was shocked that we do not have a professional league and we played the way we did. And I believe that it's about time that uh, the South African Federation and everyone else in the country got it right to, you know, put the money where the mouth is so that they can start investing in women's football so that we can have more people now supporting uh, women's football uh, and that it will bring a lot of opportunities, especially for the girls that are playing in the national team. Fantastic. Tembi, thank you so much. You've inspired us. You've inspired the next generation. You've inspired your teammates, uh, South Africa. Thank you so much. And good luck in the Challenge Cup. Absolutely. Are, are we going to see one of these? Yeah. Yeah. What's <laughs> the celebration? <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Thank you so thank much, Tembi so You can watch Tembi and Racing Louisville as they take on North Carolina Courage in the Challenge Cup final. Still to come, our very own Santa Herrera. She joins us. We get to preview the Challenge Cup coming up on Saturday at CBS. Stick around. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Attacking Third. We are previewing the Challenge Cup final. So who else would we have on the show? None other than our CBS Sports reporter and the OG A3, Sandra Herrera. Welcome in, Sandra. You're rocking a kit. Tell us who you're wearing. I love football kit Fridays. It's my favorite <laughs> time of the week. You know, I had to come through and represent Mexico, rocking that beautiful, beautiful crest. Um, yeah, it's unfortunately going to be the kit that just didn't see enough time <laughs> during the World Cups. Honestly, let's just keep it real. But happy to rock it today. Happy to see you rocking it and happy to have you with us as we take a look at the Challenge Cup final. North Carolina against Racing Louisville. And Sandra, there's a million dollars on the line. I want to hear your prediction. Who's taking the jackpot? I think we're going to get a little bit of a narrow game. I think that's going to lead to some high drama on the pitch. I have a feeling that with the quick turnaround, maybe we'll start to see some fatigue or some of the legs start to go maybe around the hour mark. But that just means that maybe it's going to make for a, a dramatic finish. Uh, I think these are two good teams that match up pretty well. They've met twice in the regular season already two games with narrow victories for North Carolina Courage. We're talking one goal, margins, multiple players on each side of the pitch that were named to the Challenge Cup. Best 11, you've got two players in, in Berkeley and in Ratcliffe for North Carolina, four players for racing in, in Lund, Mello, Howell, Urseg. So I think we're going to get some good stuff on the pitch. I think it's going to come down to experience and I got to go with the current title holders in North Carolina Courage. Yeah, it's the record between these two teams doesn't look good from a Louisville perspective. 8-0. They North Carolina has handed Louisville their two biggest ever losses, 5-0 and 5-1. 
As a North Carolina boy, <laughs> you guys already know where I'm going with this. I'm going to pick North Carolina. I, I think that's got to be my choice. <laughs> I like it, Aaron. All right, Jordan, who you got for us? I agree with you, Sandra, in the fact that this is a really quick turnaround. It's just over 48 hours that these teams have not to get themselves ready to go. It's a cross-country flight for Louisville. It's not that far for North Carolina. I think that this game, plug your ears, you guys, I think it's going to pens. Mm. I think Ooh. we're going to see penalties in this. It's going to be one-to-one going into penalties. I want to see Katie Lund, and I want to see um, – Blanking on the goalkeeper, Casey Murphy. Casey Murphy. I could see her face. Casey Murphy in the goal to see what they can do in penalties. But um, do I still have to give a final prediction? Yes, yeah. Yeah. Penalties, It'll anything can it. happen. <laughs> That's why I wanted to do it. I'm going Louisville wins in penalties. Ooh. You're going to get a text from Sean Nahas. Yeah. <laughs> Dang, pen penalties. I'm shook by that. I never want to go to penalties. <laughs> I don't either, but yeah, I just think what? it's going to happen. Sandra, I am going to agree. I think the Courage are going to take this. I played on the Courage. I got drafted there my first two years, and that team runs like crazy. I know Coach Sean Nahas still has them super fit, so I think this turnaround is really advantageous for them, and they don't have to travel, so Courage 2-0. Ooh. And a scoreline yes. is on it. Despite everything that you mentioned about Louisville, especially you, Aaron, and, and the record, this racing Louisville side just beat Portland and O.L. Reign, two teams that they had never defeated before, and they did it in the same work. I'm going with Big Perp. I'm going to go with Racing Louisville taking the win in this Challenge Cup. They're going to knock off the title holders in North Carolina Courage. That's it for us today. Thank you so much, Sandra. Thank you so much for joining us. We are happy to have you here and happy to get your prediction. Of course, always rocking that Mexican kit jersey. Uh, but everyone, thank you so much for watching. You can watch the Challenge Cup this Saturday. North Carolina takes on Racing Louisville at 12.30 p.m. Eastern time. Watch the Challenge Cup final on CBS. Thanks so much for watching Attacking Third. We'll be back on Monday.